kindness and generosity, hospitality and friendship. It all means so very, very much to me. And to know that we feel comfortable to step out in faith and to allow the barriers to come down where we can be ourselves. You know, when God wants to do a work in our lives, there's a little bit of vulnerability that we feel, and sometimes it's a lot of vulnerability that we feel. He lays bare in our soul, and it's exposed, and we have to be able to do that in an environment in which we feel safe to do that. God wants to do a great work tonight. He wants to put something in motion that will create a stream, a river, a flow, a well, if you please, where people will come from all around this region to drink from this well. A place of restoration and healing where we're safe to be vulnerable. If you'll open up your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis chapter number 26, I'd like to say thank you to Bishop Robertson because he has been that kind of person to me. He has been a person that has been able to see into my soul and given me a safe place to be flawed and human while God was working out the details of this will. And I know that it's not an accident that God gives the kind of revelation that he gives to him and that he allows to flow in this church. And I thank you for being the kind of people that have such a heart after God, so passionate for the things of God. But now God is calling us. Are you ready? God is calling us to go to the next level. Genesis 26 is where we were last night. Now let's go again to verse number 22. And he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And he went up from thence to Beersheba. Everyone say Beersheba. And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and will multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he builded an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And Isaac's servants digged a well. Then Abimelech went to him from Gerar and Ahuzath, Huzath, one of his friends, and Pekal, the chief captain of his army. These are names similar to Pharaoh. They're not actual given names, but they're titles. And Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come ye to me, seeing ye hate me? Everyone say, ye hate me. And have sent me away. Everyone say, sent me away. Verse 28, And they said, We certainly saw that the Lord was with thee. And we said, Let there now be an oath betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee, and let us make a covenant with thee. Everyone say an oath and a covenant. That thou wilt do us no hurt. As we have not touched thee, and as we have done thee nothing but good, and have sent thee away in peace, thou art now the blessed of the Lord. 
and he made a feast, and they did eat and drink, and they rose up beat times in the morning, and swear one to another. And Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. Everyone say, in peace. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well which they had digged, and said unto him, We have found water. And it came, and he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba unto this day. Everyone say, unto this day. Let's lift our hands and let's pray together. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we come to You. And we pray that Your living Word will preach the written Word tonight. I thank You for the hunger and the thirst that is manifested in this place tonight. Deliver me, O God, from the sin and the weight which does so easily beset us. Cause us tonight, O God, to go into a place of healing and deliverance. Give me the strength and the courage, O God. And carefully, O God, craft the words which I speak, that the maximum amount of grace may be delivered into this house. I ask You, Lord Jesus, to erase us, to take away our flesh, that Your Spirit may flow freely, and that the work of the Holy Ghost may be done. I bind every resisting spirit, whether human or demonic, whether here or anywhere else in this region, by the authority of the Word of God and by the blood of the Lamb, you are brought into submission now in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Say it again. Say it one more time. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Would you clap your hands one more time to the Lord? Because you love Him. I think we can do just a little bit better than that. Would you clap like you've got the Holy Ghost? Like you feel the anointing of the Spirit of God that's ready to break yokes and bring down strongholds. Hallelujah! Simply calling this tonight Beersheba, the oath of the seven. Beersheba, the oath of the seven. Best we can tell, there were three wells which Abraham digged. We know that there was a well, or the multiple wells, that were in the same region of the Philistines, the land of Gerar. In Abraham's day, there was a great test. It was the final test of Abraham that took place just before Sarah gave birth. God had visited him after Lot had separated. He visited him and God told him that Sarah would have a son. And then that word was, was then tested because... They moved into the region of Gerar and they were with Abimelech. And uh, during this time, they thought that Sarah was so beautiful, even in her advanced years. It's amazing. That's what holiness does. It's the beauty of holiness. Her advanced years, she was still so beautiful that Abraham feared that something was going to happen to him and that they would kill him and take her. And so he lied and 
for a while, God shut up the womb of all of the women that were amongst the Philistines. All of the women of the land, their wombs were shut up because Sarah was in the custody of the king while her identity was still concealed. God said, I'm about to do a miracle. I'm about to take away her barrenness. But because we're still having a problem, having a breakthrough in faith here, because there is still fear from the culture, and because Abraham has not yet disclosed who he really is and who she really is, I'm going to just shut up everyone's womb until they have a breakthrough. And God gave them, God gave the king a dream and said, don't touch that woman. And he said, if you do, I'll kill you. And he said, but if you will let her go and give her back to her husband, that is not her brother, that's her husband. He is a prophet and he will pray for you and the wombs will open in the land. Can you imagine now? How this all played out. God gives a dream to the king. He tells Abraham. Then Abraham says, I was afraid that you didn't really trust in the Lord or fear him as I did. And so this is the reason why I was trying to protect her and protect himself. This was the guise of his lie. At any rate, now it is exposed and his true heart is revealed. The true identity of this woman is now revealed and God restores them back together. But before God opens the womb of this woman, He first has Abraham pray for all of his enemies. And God does a miracle. He prays a prayer of healing and opens the wombs of all of the Philistine women. And they begin to produce. I think when Abraham saw that God was working with him, And he saw that his prayers were being answered while he was praying for someone that in his mind didn't even have a relationship with God and didn't even fear God. If God would do that for them, then certainly God will do this for me. And so God opened the womb of Sarah. God visited her. In the 21st chapter of Genesis, it says, As he had spoken, and she conceived and bare Abraham a son in his own age. Listen, at the set time of which God had spoken. At this time, he realized that this was an appointed time. That there was nothing wrong with him. There was nothing wrong with Sarah. There was nothing wrong with his faith. But there was a set time. There was an appointed time. How many understand that there are set times when God removes barrenness, when God takes things out of the way? And, and God was showing a generation that this was a set time, that He was bringing something to fruition. There had to be a completion of His testing because He wanted this child to be born of pure faith. And so in every generation, there is a moment which we have to define ourselves by having pure 
faith in the living God. And so he brings us through tests. Sometimes promises, great big promises, are always preceded by long trials. If you have been in a long trial, if you have been in a, pro- a protracted journey in a season of great testing, it's because there is a great burden of hope that rests upon you. It's because of the magnitude of the promise. It's because of the immensity of the potential. It's because of how great God is about to reveal Himself. So do not be discouraged. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your prayers. There's nothing wrong with your faith. God has just been trying to get us into a position where we have been purified and perfected so that our faith will be pure. We can do what He wants to do. And so they remained. They stayed in Gerar. The Bible says at the end of 21st chapter, Abraham sojourned in the Philistines' land many days. He stayed. God had established him now amongst his community as a prophet. His prayers had been answered. He had no fear. The king now trusted in him and believed in him. There were decrees that were set that no one should touch Sarah or mess with him. So he said, God is working here. I'm going to stay here. And God opened the womb of Sarah here in this place, in Gerar. No wonder God took Isaac back to the same place. Because this was the birthing grounds of his faith. This is the birthing ground of his very life. It was his origin of who he was. It was the composite of everything that went into bringing him into the world. And so when God was getting ready to take him to the next level, he brings him back to the same place where the barrenness was removed and the long journey finally brought them to their destination. The long-awaited promise was finally fulfilled. And I believe that God is taking us on a journey right now. He is bringing us to a place where things that have been put in motion generations ago, prayers that were prayed generations ago, people that got together and and thought about things and, and believed for things and saw things in the future and wrestled through and pressed their way through until they finally came to a point where God gave children where God took away the barrenness and there was, there was a sense of the prophetic and there was an awareness of God and a community knew about it and a people were affected and a generation was affected, deeply affected. And God is saying, I want to do that kind of work again. I believe that it's time for an earth shack, or earth shattering, a, a, a trimming, something that, that, that shakes us to our foundations. I believe that God wants to visit this generation. He wants to visit this community. He wants to visit this region with something that we can say, you know what, this brings us back to our roots. This brings us back to the beginning. This takes us back to how it was when we were birthed into this thing, when it came out of the purity of the Holy Ghost and nothing else. You lift your hands and would you pray just for a moment and ask God for something that will be a lasting, deep work of the Holy Ghost. Isaac grew up in Gerar. 
I just figured this out. I've been reading about this for a long time. I've read Genesis how many times? But he grew up here. And then the Bible says that there was a fight over the well that Abraham digged. And he says in verse number 25, Abraham reproved Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away. And Abimelech said, I wrought not who had done this thing, neither didst thou tell me, neither yet heard of it, but today. And so Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and both of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What mean these seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? And he said, For these seven ewe lambs thou shalt make of my hand, thou shalt take of my hand, and they shall be a witness unto me that I have digged this well. Wherefore he called that place Beersheba, because there swear both of them. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. Verse 33, And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. What were the terms now of the covenant? Here's the terms. Verse 23, Thou therefore swear unto me, hereby God, that thou wilt not deal falsely with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's sons, but according to the kindness that I have done unto thee, thou shalt do unto me and to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. Do not deal falsely. These were the terms of the original covenant. Do not deal falsely with me. Don't say one thing to my face and something else behind my back. Don't project something to everybody else and then do something different behind the scenes. Do not deal falsely with me. I don't want any pretending. I don't want any pretense because all this does is breed violence. It creates contention. And it makes a lot of misunderstandings pass between different sides of the equation. And it always brings us back to a place of of offense between each other. And we cannot live at peace under these kinds of scenarios. And so the king said to him, this is what I want. Just tell me that you will deal, that you will not deal falsely. Tell me the truth. Look at your neighbor and say, tell me the truth. The biggest sabotage of relationships, the biggest sabotage of unity, one of the biggest sabotage of, uh, of peace is people dealing falsely. Is lying. Because you cannot trust someone that is lying to you. And relationships are built on trust. What he's saying is, when I shake your hand, look you in the eye and say, I love you. I ought to know that you really mean that. Brother, I'm behind you. I want you to know I'm with you, buddy, all the way, man. Are you telling me the truth? You know, I like that type, man. That's, that's so nice, right? Where'd you get that shirt, man?
and then walk away and go, man, I must have been shopping at Walmart. And Walmart's all you got, I guess. You got to be happy with Walmart. We're already getting in trouble. If we're going to have relationships with each other, if we're going to get along, there's got to be something genuine about our relationship. If we live on this plastic facade front, all it does is lend itself to people fighting over water. They violently took a well away from Abraham. And what the issue was is whether he was telling the truth or not. He said, I dig this well. How do I know that's the truth? How do you know you're not just claiming that well? How do we know that you're not just using this to your advantage? How do you know there wasn't somebody else that dig this well and you just found it somewhere and now you're claiming it? It really belongs to us. You're just sojourning here. This is our water. He said, I'm bringing sacrifices here. I'm bringing seven ewes. I'm bringing these here in my hand. What are they for? To verify, to be a witness that I dig this well. Nobody else dig this well. I dig this well. I am telling you the truth. This is the basis of the covenant. All right. And the Bible says they took the, they took the ewes. They exchanged words, they made a covenant, and they went away in peace. These were the terms. Isaac witnessed all of that. How do you know? Because the next chapter says that God did tempt Abraham and say, Take, your, take thine, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah. We know that Isaac was about 40 years old when he was offered. So he was a young man when all of this took place. And now when a famine takes place in his life, God says, don't go to Egypt. I want you to go to the Philistines. I want you to go to Gerar. I'm going to give this whole land to you. I started something. And now you are going to finish it. I began it with Abraham, but I'm going to finish it with Isaac. And I'm going to tell you something. Something God has already been working on a long time must be confirmed by us. The only way it's going to take place, the only way it's really going to happen, is if you and I have enough sense to understand our past, to know our history, and to know the only thing that is going to bring us out of this and move us in the right direction. And that's you and I walking in the Spirit enough and having the character enough to be able to do the will of God. We don't know if this is the same Abimelech or if this is just a dynasty which was named Abimelech. We know that uh, this was a dynastic term like Pharaoh. So we don't know if this is the same man who is now very, very old or if it's his son that has now come upon the throne, but he still goes by the same name. And Isaac is in this land, and God does these miracles for him. God gives him a harvest. The same scenario with his wife. And he begins digging wells. 
We talked about this last night. The first well, they fought over. And he said, you can have it. The second well, they fought over that one too. He said, you can have it. And by the time he digged the third well, we don't know how many years pass. It takes a long time to dig a well. It takes a long time for, for you to bring to that point. But two wells that he digged out and he didn't get the benefit from. Somebody else got the benefit from the work that he did. But you know what he said? I'm here to just keep on digging until I find the water. Because if we have enough water, we're going to change the mentality of a region. And I'm telling you, and I'm telling this church, I'm telling everyone that's here, you're here tonight because you are hand chosen by God to be here tonight. Because God is trying to speak a message that He's wanting to change a mentality in a region. He's trying to bring us to a place in the Spirit where we stop thinking about a move of the Holy Ghost as being scarce or the access to God's presence as being limited or that there's only a few churches that are blessed. God is trying to tell people. He's used this church as an example, but He's trying to give a message to this entire region. There is water here. There is a move of God here. There is something that God wants to do here. There is something that He wants to do in this region. And He wants everybody to know there's enough water for every pastor, for every church. There's enough water for this entire community, for this entire region, for all of Indiana. There's enough Come on, would you clap your hands? Do you understand what I'm talking about tonight? That there is no limit to what God can do. There is no lack of God's supply. He hasn't run out of Holy Ghost. He hasn't run out of healing. He hasn't run out of deliverance. He hasn't run out of conviction. He hasn't run out of transformation power. But you and I have got to stay focused on the flow. It would have been easy for them to just keep their minds stuck where they had just come from. It would have been easy for them to see the pictures of those, of those shepherds taking away their water again and fighting with them. And every time they, they went to go to the well that they knew, that they digged out, that they discovered somebody is there. But when they came to Rehoboth and nobody contended with them, nobody stroked with them, what an incredible feeling it was. For them not to have a fight to get a drink. How wonderful it is tonight to not have to fight to be able to get a drink of water. How wonderful it is that I don't have to push my way through a bunch of other things in order to have a drink of water. How wonderful it is to come into an environment where people are already celebrating where people are already worshiping, where people are already running and dancing and clapping and smiling, and people are singing and they're talking about how wonderful God is. And when you come to church here tonight, you didn't have to work at it. If you wanted to feel the Holy Ghost, all you had to do was lift up your hand and He was there. All you had to do was open up your mouth and begin to speak. If you need something from God, it's already here, folks. It's already in this atmosphere tonight. There's a river that's already flowing in this house tonight. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Can anybody feel the river? Can anybody sense the presence of God? Can anybody feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah! You can drink all you want tonight! Nobody is going to hinder you. It is an incredibly refreshing feeling.
to come to church and just think about God. That's just awesome. I can actually come to a house of worship and worship. Wow. You know, I don't have to worry about what someone's going to think about me because most of the people are doing more than I am. And if I get out in the aisle, they just look at me and go, all right, woo! And all you have to do is look at somebody just a little bit too long and they'll grab your hand while they're running around the church. Hallelujah. That's refreshing. That's awesome. And I can just come to church and just open up my heart and open up my spirit without any fear. It's Rehoboth. God can do awesome things in this place because... We've got some space now. We've got some room. God did that for you. You had to dig it out, but God did it for you. You had to press your way through, but God did that for you. It took a few years to dig it out, but you digged it out. And aren't you thankful that you have unencumbered access to the presence of God? Aren't you thankful that God is in this place? When Isaac got to Rehoboth, he was drinking from that well. (laughs) And he went living in Beersheba. Now the Bible says, therefore the name of that place was called Beersheba unto this day. That means that it wasn't called that when Isaac went back there. Abraham called it Beersheba. But it wasn't known in that region as Beersheba at that time. This was more known as Gerar, the land of the Philistines, than it was Beersheba. God said, I want to make this a permanent work. I don't want it to be a temporary work. I want to make this a permanent work. You see, in Abraham's time, in essence, it was the fruit of what we would call a revival. It was the fruit of conviction and repentance. It was the fruit of people coming together in the presence of God and saying, you know what, we were wrong. We didn't get it right. I shouldn't have violently taken your well. And Abraham's saying, if I misled you, I'm sorry. All right, we're going to deal with each other Truthfully, we're not going to be false with each other. We're going to be able to trust each other because from this point on, I'm giving you my word. Whatever I tell you, that's what I mean. However I act, that's how, that's what it really is. It's in my heart. And this was the fruit of God doing a wonderful work in their lives. But a generation later, that memory was just about to fade away. And God said, I don't want this to be a temporary work. I want this to become a lifestyle. I want this to become a part of who you are. I want this to be a, your identity, not just something that happens during special times. 
Instead, what is breeding again is the same contempt. It's the same striving over wealth. It's the same fighting and quarreling. It's the same controlling mentality. It's the same manipulating and undermining. It's the same voice of accusation. It's the same struggle. It's the same battle. It's ideologies that are opposed to each other. And now, Isaac comes to Beersheba. And when he touches that sacred soil, he builds an altar here. God, this is what we need. We need Beersheba. Oh, God of my father, Abraham, this is what we need. The Bible says that Abraham planted a grove there. He planted the seeds there. But it was in Isaac's time that he dwelt under the shade of those trees. And what I'm telling you is, is there seeds that were planted. I don't know exactly when they were planted. I don't know the specific names of the people that planted them. But I'm telling you, there were some people that planted some seeds. And they've been growing up. And all the while, all the enemy has tried to wipe away the remembrance of Abraham and take away his wells. All the while, there's something that was growing in Beersheba. There were some trees that were growing over here in Beersheba. They didn't even know if they wanted to recognize Beersheba anymore. Time has passed. But there was a covenant that was made. And God said, I'm still standing by that covenant. Isaac, I want you to dwell here. This is where I want you to live. You can drink from Rehoboth, but I want you to live over here in Beersheba. You can taste this water over here and enjoy this water, but I want you to live in Beersheba! He had digged enough wells. He had established himself enough he had unlocked Abraham's wells again. So there's three. And then he dug his own three. There's six wells that are a testimony. And now his servants started digging another well. The oath of the seven. In Abraham's time, it was a sacrifice. But sacrifices are for a moment. Wells last forever. When you dig a well, it's there. You can cover it up, but that well's still there. And what God is saying is the seeds were planted. There was a great touch of the Holy Spirit that worked. There was, a, there was an act of God that brought Abimelech and Abraham together in a covenant. But now, now we're digging out something permanent right here. And what I'm telling you is this is the reason why hell is fighting so hard. Because you are not after just a one-time event. You are not fighting for something that just happens every now and then. You are not just fighting for something that takes place during revival. You are praying for and believing for something that remains. You are digging out something that's going to stay, that the devil can't do anything about. That's why he's fighting so hard. That's why he's trying to destroy your morale. That's why he's trying to keep you isolated. That's why he wants to keep you out. But you know what? Those trees are growing and we're worshiping now at an altar that says, oh God, you did it once. You can do it again. 
Rehoboth, Rehoboth was space, but it was also isolation. Rehoboth was, was nobody fighting with him, but it also meant he was alone. Rehoboth was all the water you want, but also meant limited influence. No interaction with people. That's why he didn't stay in Rehoboth. That's why he was living in Beersheba. That's why they were still digging. We're not going to let this stay at just isolation. It's not just unencumbered flow. It's not just access. We know we can find water. We want to change a mentality. And folks, this is the war that's been going on. Are you listening to me right now? Are you taking in what I'm saying right now? This is the war that's been going on. The Bible says, after three wells have been digged, and nobody's fighting with each other anymore, they're leaving each other alone, the Bible says Abimelech comes, and he brings Pekal, which was the ruling family over the army. And so he brings these two dynastic families, which were the most powerful forces of the Philistines, and they bring a friend in between, just for good measure, to support each other. The three of them come marching up to Isaac. What does Isaac do? He lives by the terms of the original covenant. He refuses to pretend. He says, why are you coming here? You hate me. You sent me away from you. Why are you coming here? Um, hello, Isaac. Uh, I hope things are going well for you today. How are things with you? How are things with your family? How are things with your flocks and your herds? What are you doing here? You hate me. Stop all this pretending with me. I want you to speak the truth to me right now. If we're going to beat it, we're going to have to identify it. If there's hatred, we have to expose it. We don't get rid of it by putting it under the rug. We don't defeat it by acting like it's not there. You hate me. You sent me away. You rejected me. He tells the truth, and then they tell the truth. We saw certainly that the Lord was with you. You want to know why we did what we did? We were afraid. We said, God was with you. Everything you touched, I mean... You sowed seed and got a hundredfold harvest. You, you unstopped your father's wells and start drinking from the early rains and the latter rains. And if that's not enough, flocks and your herds are multiplying. You've got servants everywhere. And then you go and dig a well and you find your own water supply. And you don't just do that once. You do it three times. There's nothing we can do with you. 
there's no way we can stop you. God is with you. You are blessed, and we know it. What I'm telling you is that there is a reckoning point in the Spirit. There is a point where there is an acknowledgement of what God has done. And at that point is when we change the mentality of an area. When we confess the blessings of God. And we say, God is with you. You have something, in other words, that I don't have. And this is what they said. So we're coming here today. We know you're blessed. We know that the Lord is with you. And what we're asking is that you will make a covenant with us. And what's the terms? Notice now, listen very carefully, that you will do us no hurt. You see, the mentality that prevailed is if you have a power, if you have ability, you have wealth, you have influence, the little man pays. The least are the ones that are trampled upon. So this is why there was such a fight over the wells, because it represented control. It represented who was going to be on top and who was going to be walked upon. This was their mentality, but this was not Isaac's mentality. Isaac's mentality is, hey, we found water. Isn't this awesome? God showed us where the water is. And they couldn't see it. And they couldn't really believe that that's all it was. You've got to have another motive. I mean, you're going to use this against us. You know what? If he keeps doing this, we better marshal a big attack and dig another well. Oh, my goodness. Now we better try to destroy his influence. Let's accuse him. So he just names it Sitna, and he walks away, takes another one, Rehoboth. And they said, wow. They didn't know if he was just gaining more soldiers. They didn't know if he was stockpiling ammunition. They didn't know why he hadn't been around in a while. And they came to him and said, look, we realize you're bigger than us. You're stronger than us. God is with you. And you're blessed. And so what we're coming to you is we're acknowledging this now. We said it. And for them in that culture to admit that, that was huge. That was equal to losing face. And in the Middle Eastern culture, the absolute worst thing you're ever going to do is lose face. That's why they had the terms of don't deal falsely because everything was about pretense. Everything was about face. Everything was about the appearance of of greatness and wealth and and prominence and walking around and how many are in your harem and how many sheep do you have and how many camels do you have? Are there any with two humps? (laughs) Constant question, how many people does your church have? What kind of car do you drive? Where do you work? Where do you shop? What label do you wear? Oh, is that a real coach? Wow. Pretense. Image. They started speaking honestly. 
My perception is you hate me while you're here. I'm here because, well, I'm going to take the veil off and be honest. You're blessed, okay? We all know you're blessed. And what we're just trying to say is, please don't kill us. Here were the terms. Do us no hurt. Now, you know what this means? This means when you see me vulnerable, don't take advantage of my vulnerability. Now, I want you to see what the terms were not. It was not that they would all go camel riding every day together. They were not going to go out and go hunting. They weren't going to practice archery. Oh, Abimelech, let's see how far you can shoot that arrow. Yes, your lordship. Ha, another bullseye. It didn't mean that they were best friends. Are you understanding? But it meant this is how we're going to get along. This is how we're going to have peace. This is how we're going to stop all of this foolishness of fighting and striving and accusing. And we're going to get beyond it. And we're all going to be prosperous. And we're all going to go forward. And we're all going to be able to enjoy the abundance that God is giving to us. This is what God is wanting to do in this region. We may not all see eye to eye. We may never all be able to fellowship and have intimate fellowship. But we can decide to stop hurting each other. You can make a commitment that you won't take advantage of somebody's vulnerability. That when somebody falls down, you won't kick them. That when somebody makes a mistake, you won't broadcast it. That when somebody's weak and sick, you won't try to finish them off so you can take advantage of their plight and their situation. This is a whole nother dimension. It's one thing for us to have Rehoboth. It's one thing to be able to come to church with unencumbered access. It's wonderful to be able to run the aisles and shout and scream and dance. But it's something else when I know I can trust my brother. That's a whole nother well. What's the biggest fear of backsliders? Come on, let's be honest. What's the biggest fear? When they come back in and they look different. When they've lost a spouse or they got a tattoo. Or they're not as resilient and strong and robust as they used to be. Or they have issues now. And they come back through the door. You know what they're afraid of? They're afraid. That someone's going to look at him and go. Told you you never should have left. Or even worse, they'll start asking questions. Is that the same woman you were married to? Are those your kids or her kids? I'm vulnerable and I'm hurting right now. <laughs> and I need to know this is a safe place. Is it safe? I thought this was Beersheba. I thought this is where the oath was made. 
I thought this is the way where, where people ate a meal together and fellowshiped and, and made a commitment that they weren't going to hurt each other anymore. That they weren't going to take advantage of each other's hurt. Folks, if the word will ever get out that this is a safe place, if people will ever realize that you've made that kind of commitment, that it doesn't matter how vulnerable you feel, how hurt you are, what kind of mistake that you've made, or what kind of failure is in your life, when you come here, this is Beersheba. This is a safe place. We've sealed it with an oath. What does the Bible say? If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, do what? Restore. Show me, theologians, Bible scholars, great saints of God, show me a place where a saint corrects a saint. Find it. I don't care how long you've been tendered or how spiritual you are. Your role is never to bring more condemnation upon somebody. Ye which are spiritual, restore them. Considering your own self. Because you could have had the same problem. You could have been in the same situation. Restore them in the spirit of meekness. After they got up and swear the same day that they got up and swear to each other, that they made the oath to each other, that's when they found the water and they started drinking from a well in Beersheba. Do you know that the Philistines are no more a people? Do you know Gerar is a strange name? When we speak it, we don't even know where that is. You know why? Because the identity of that land is no longer Gerar. But you can still look at a map right now and find the city of Beersheba. It still exists. This is what God is wanting to do. He's wanting to make the work of restoration what is remembered. So that the pain and the offenses and the hurts and the language and the attitudes and the mentalities that used to prevail will no longer be remembered. We are going to wipe them completely off of the map. We are going to expose this spirit for what it is. And say, hatred, you're not welcome anymore. Offense, you are not welcome anymore. We are not going to listen to this strife. We're not going to be participating with all of this manipulation. You know what we're going to do? We're going to swear an oath. Can I go deeper now? Can I go deeper? I'm going to go, I'm going to go a lot deeper right now, real fast. Are you ready? Okay, do you have your air tank strapped on? Jezebel gets her power through an oath. When someone is wounded by an authority figure, Jezebel will come and whisper in their ear and say, Swear that you'll never submit again. Swear that you'll never trust again. Swear that you'll never be vulnerable again or put yourself in a position where someone like that could ever hurt you. And that spirit comes in and wraps itself around the personality. And you can't tell the difference between you and Jezebel. And you go on about your life 
and everything's fine and everything's normal until somebody touches that area of your emotions. And the moment that area of wound or offense is hit, something manifests that is so opposite of everything else you've seen from that person. And the most vehement voice and words, most vile word, most vile vomit starts coming out of them. Poison. It's toxic. Toxic emotions. And where is this coming from? I'm paying, obviously, for somebody else's mistakes. Because they swear an oath. I'm not going there. You're not getting in. The two things that breaks Jezebel are submission and vulnerability. Submission and vulnerability. That's what breaks her. And that's the two things she refuses to do. And that's how she stays in control of someone's life. It's because that's how she came in in the first place. By listening to what she said. Swear an oath, it'll never happen again. When I deal with people that are coming out of being under that control of that spirit, I, I tell people this. Just say this. Someday I'll trust again. I may not be healed enough right now, but I believe that God can help me to trust again. I don't know if I'm in a position where I can feel vulnerable right now, but... Someday, I believe God's going to help me to work through all these things and let go of all these things and push away all my fears and come out from where I've been hiding and step out and not be ruled by my past have a future again. It's amazing the deliverance that happens the moment they start saying those words. Okay. They'll look at me and say, I can't say I'll trust again. They'll, they'll look me straight in the eye. I, I can't say I trust again because I don't know if I can. I don't think I can. I don't even know if I can trust you. And they'll look at me like that. I say, that's fine. You don't have to trust me. Trust the Word of God. Trust the one with nail prints in His hands and nail prints in His feet. Trust the one that went to a cross for you that said, I love you this much and stretched out His arms and died. Look at Him for a moment. And the tears start rolling. Okay, okay. You got me there. I have nothing to say about Jesus. Okay, well then let Jesus do a work in your life where you can say, someday I will. And the moment they say that, the prison door opens. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be next week. But I believe someday I will trust again. And the oath is broken. And that spirit legally has to step away. It's right to be in their life is the oath that they swear. Do you understand what I'm saying? It might even be swore on an unconscious level or a subconscious level. It's something that we do as a reaction. It's something we do as a protective mechanism. And as long as we hide behind that, you're never getting in. Guess what? 
that wound just keeps festering and gets more corrupt. It just keeps eating away at us. It's like acid that just keeps burning a hole inside of us. And all we have left is the poison and the pain. All we have left and we shrivel away and we're just a hull of a person. And the devil just laughs and laughs and laughs because he's got us right where he wants us. And that hole then becomes a channel for that spirit to work through whenever it wants. But you start saying, I believe that someday I'll be able to trust again. Someday I'm going to be able to be around a godly man. He's still going to be flawed and human, but there's going to be enough Holy Ghost and character and nature of God in Him that I can come up under that man and say, I trust that He's a real man of God and that He won't lead me wrong. Something inside of you begins to open up and God begins to do a work of healing. Now, what I'm telling you we've got to do if we are going to defeat a mentality that's in a region. If we are going to destroy the hatred and the strife and the accusation. If we are going to get past all of the shunning and all of these, all of these things that are constantly going on. The church has to rise above the spirit and change the mentality. You see, spirits thrive in a mentality. They had a scarcity mentality. They had a fear mentality. They had a dog-eat-dog mentality. They had a control mentality. They had a hierarchy mentality. Okay, All those things were there. Keeping face and pride and, 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 and lying to each other and all of this stuff underhanded stuff constantly trying to get around the other to see who could eventually get the edge. And then here's Isaac just blazing a trail right to the middle of all of them, oblivious and constantly digging wells and being prosperous and being blessed. And they can't figure it out. They don't understand because they don't know how to think like that. They don't come from that. They've never had any kind of a background like that. It's always been the way it's always been. Until Isaac showed up and showed them a better way. That's what the church has got to do. We have to rise above the culture. Rise above the mentality. Rise above the spirit. Is anybody hearing me right now? We've got to be better than this offense. We've got to be bigger than the rejection. We've got to be stronger than the hatred. We've got to go above the strife. We've got to say, I refuse to manipulate. I refuse to try to make things happen my way. Beersheba represented Isaac's spirit taking the precedent. The mentality that his father began with to be established and stamped forever. This is the way it's going to be from this day forward. I would like to see something historic happen. If the devil gets his power by people swearing oaths, he learned that from God. Because we are covenant sons and daughters. The reason why Isaac was blessed, you're listening very carefully, is because Isaac was a covenant son. The reason why he was the only son that God recognized is because he was the only son that was in the covenant. So when God checked his books, he said, Isaac's the only one. So I'm going to do things for Isaac because I promised them to his father. 
He kept saying, for your father's sake, for your father's sake, for your father's sake, for the oath that I swear to him, for the oath that I swear to him, for the oath that I swear to him. And I want you to understand that Jesus came to this earth as God's answer to our sin, to our offenses. And it was God saying, I want to make a covenant with you. I want to bring you out of this world. I want to bring you out of this generation. I want you to bring you out of sin. I want to bring you out of offenses. I want to bring you out. And through His own blood, He offered Himself as a sacrifice, as an atonement for our sins, so we could have covenant relationship. Circumcision always involved blood. And that was the terms of the covenant was blood. Baptism is spiritual circumcision in the New Testament. And the blood of Christ is applied to our lives in baptism. And that's where we receive our identity. On the eighth day of the circumcision is when the child was named. And when we go down in water in the name of Jesus, we receive a new identity. And we are written into the covenant. Our names are written into the Lamb's book of life. You and I are covenant children. This is the reason why the devil hates us. This is the reason why the devil wants to channel hate against us. This is, the Bible says we will be hated of all nations for what? His name's sake. You know what that means? The devil knows that you are off limits. The devil knows there's only so far he can go and he cannot control you. He cannot stop you. He cannot fight you. So his only, his only other avenue is to get other human beings to work against you. That's why we have to dig another well. Rehoboth is the celebration of our covenant with God. But Beersheba is when we take the connection that we have with God and we start using that to connect other people. The same God that forgave us of all the things that we did to offend Him is the same God that steps in and begins to flow through us and we forgive each other. So we need to swear an oath tonight. We're going to make an oath. And this will supersede all the works of Satan. This will undo every device that's been devised. Because this will be legal in the eyes of the Lord. Everything Satan does, he does legally. When the demons were being cast out, he asked for permission to go into the pigs. He didn't just go into the pigs. He had to get permission to go into the pigs. Now, he chose the pigs because pigs were unclean, and unclean devils like unclean vessels. But when the pigs didn't want them, God allowed the pigs to commit suicide. That's proof that animals won't live with things that humans will. Pigs won't tolerate things that sometimes human beings will. They said, I don't want this demon in me, and they ran off the cliff. Try to get away from that thing. Didn't know any better. Just outdrowned it. Outdrowned. Didn't drown themselves in the process. 
had to have permission. If the devil gets into your life, he has to have permission to be there. Ask yourself the question, why did Satan have to ask God to touch Job? Because he couldn't get permission from Job. Everybody else he didn't have to ask permission for because he already had their permission. Devil, if you're going to touch me, you're going to have to get permission from God because you don't have permission from me. I'm building a hedge. I'm setting a perimeter. And I'm standing against you in the name of Jesus. I'm standing against you with the blood of the Lamb. You don't have my permission. I'm not letting you into my mind. I'm not letting you into my emotions. I'm not letting you into my health. I'm not letting you into my marriage. I'm not letting you into my family. I'm not letting you into my finance. I'm not letting you into my spiritual life, into my ministry. I'm not letting you anymore. Tell the devil, you don't have my permission. Every witch that I've ever dealt with had to swear a vow to the devil. And when I bring them out, I say, I, I, I reverse the vow. I reverse the covenant. Folks, it's time to start breaking some covenants with hell tonight. And say, you know what? I am not going to live under that darkness anymore. I'm not going to live with all that hatred anymore. I'm not going to live under all that fear anymore. I'm not going to live with all that resentment in my heart. I am not going to live with strife. I am not going to have pride. I refuse it. I'm breaking it. I'm cutting it off. And I'm going to make another vow. I'm going to vow a vow from the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm going to stand in league with Jesus as a covenant son. And say the hatred has got to stop. The strife has got to stop. And it stops here. And it stops now. And it stops with us. And here's the vow. Here's the vow. I promise, by the grace of God, I will not hurt you. I will do you no hurt. I will not intentionally take advantage of your vulnerability. When I have it in my power to do wrong to you, you have my word. I won't hurt you. I'm going to bear you up. I won't beat you down. A principality was broken that day. And God gave them a witness and a sign of a well unstopping in the earth. And water coming forth. It became the farthest south landmark. It would say from Dan to Beersheba. It's the marker. Dan was the judge. Beersheba's the restoration. From the judgments of God, all of our human frailties, we let God be the judge. And you and I, we just keep trying to help each other get up and keep going on. The 
Bible says, confess your faults, not your sins, but your faults one to another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. There's a healing that can only take place when I trust you enough to tell you a fault. There are some things that I can't get delivered from by myself. I can get forgiveness from, but I can't get deliverance from. I don't know how to get past it myself. And I'm afraid to tell anybody because you might look at me different. You might, you might judge me. And so what do I do? I just run back to Rehoboth and I just drink all the water I want. And I go, whoo, nobody's going to bother me here. This is a safe place for me here. I just worship God. Oh, this is wonderful, 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 wonderful. Oh, I love it, I love it, I love it. And then I go back to Beersheba, and I just keep digging. I'm not quite there yet. I really want it to be where I can do that, but right now I don't know if I can. And so we drink, we drink, we drink. Oh, this is wonderful. Oh, hallelujah, Robert. Promises, prophecies. Woo! But there's an altar over here. Oh, God of our fathers. Oh, God. Will it ever change? But the trees are growing. That's a good sign. Good place to live. Some shade here. We're digging. We're digging. And then, sure enough, after prayers made, after digging's been done, who we thought was his enemy, shows up and says, it's time to stop. It's time to make a vow. It's time to make a covenant. This is all we ask. Just don't hurt us. When you were small and you were vulnerable, we didn't hurt you. When we sent you away, we sent you away in peace. We could have done a whole lot to you. You sojourned in our land. And now you're blessed. And you're the one with all the power. And now that you've got the power, we're just asking you, please, don't hurt us. I wonder what would happen in this church if you would make that vow to each other. What would happen in your family if you would just have a family meeting, come together and have an oath, I promise you, whatever your weakness is, whatever your fault is, whatever your mistake is, we're not going to hurt you. It's safe with us. We're going to help you get over it. We're going to face the ugly truth together. We're going to deal with the root cause we're going to speak the truth to each other. We're not going to pretend that it didn't happen or you don't have that problem or you don't have that issue. 
We're not going to act like you don't have an addiction or, you, or you, you, don't have a, you understand what I'm saying? We're not covering it. But we are saying it's a safe place to come and say, this is why I'm hurting and this is what's going on inside of me. Because when you open up your heart and you expose your heart to the light, the light of God begins to send its powerful rays into your soul and it's truth that begins to make you free. And this is how we are delivered. The Bible says... If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And what happens? And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us of all of our sins. Through what? Through fellowship. Now you're getting a little off there, evangelist. I fellowship with a lot of people who didn't feel like I was cleansed. You weren't fellowshipping in the light. You weren't in a safe zone. When I sit down with my friend, I can sit down there and bear my heart. Today I did at the table. I said, look in, take a look. And if there's something that I'm telling you doesn't line up with the Holy Ghost, you tell me. I want to know. You know why? Fellowship. Fellowship. God wants to do that. God wants, this is apostolic. They continued in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. What is apostolic fellowship? Apostolic fellowship doesn't mean that we're best friends, but it means we trust each other. That we know that there is a code, a Christian code that we have. That when we see somebody that's hurting, we try to help that person that's hurting. When we see somebody that's in trouble, we try to pick that person up and be a friend to them and help them. When Jesus found the woman caught in the very act of adultery, the Bible says He sent her, her accusers away and said, neither do I condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. We dealt with the sin. Don't sin anymore. But I'm not going to make you feel bad anymore. You feel bad enough. I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to restore you. And I'm going to give you a new life. Stand with me right now. Now we're going to start with a baby step, okay? You usually sit next to people you like. So, I'd like you to talk to the person next to you. Whoever's more comfortable for you to talk to, start with them. And I want you just to say this. If you want to look at both sides, you want to turn to each one, each side, that's fine. But I want you to start with this. I want you to say, by the grace of God, I will not hurt you. I promise you, I make a commitment to you. As best lieth in me, I will do you no hurt. You are safe with me. Let's clap our hands and let's thank the Lord for that. Do you feel that? 
It's breaking right now. It's already happening. Now I want you to connect as a church right now. And if you're from other churches, that's all the more better. I want you to connect with people next to you. I want people on every row, if you would just touch each other, whatever is appropriate, on your shoulder, if you want to hold their hand, that's fine. Whatever you feel the most appropriate. If you're standing next to your wife or spouse, you can hug them, that's fine with me, I don't care. Whatever is appropriate. Whatever easiest way for you to pray. But I want everybody touching somebody right now. And I want you to say this, in the name of Jesus Christ, not by our own strength, but by the strength of the Holy Spirit, through the cross of Jesus Christ, in which Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Through His Spirit and by His grace, We commit in Jesus' name that we will do no harm. That when we see someone vulnerable, we will not take advantage of that situation. We will not hurt them. We will help them. Our church will help other churches. We as a people will not take advantage of others' weaknesses and failures. But we, by the strength of God, will offer help, restoration, healing, and forgiveness. In Jesus' name, let's clap our hands and thank the Lord right now. you demons have got to go in the name of Jesus. I have authority and dominion over you. I have legal right by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, by the name of Jesus, and these people as my witnesses that you no longer have dominion over this region. And this day, I do dismantle you. This day, I do bring you down. You spirit of hatred, I destroy you. You spirit of division, I shackle you forever. And I hereby declare that God shall do a new thing. He shall open up a new flow. And He shall rename this region. He shall give this region a new name in the name of Jesus.
We have done spiritual warfare here tonight. Something is breaking in the Holy Ghost right now. All over Spencer and Bloomington, Gosport and all these little surround Monroe County right now is being affected. The seat of power in this region is being affected tonight. God says there are things that are hiding in you. There are things that are hiding in your emotions. There are things that are hiding in the way that you think. Things that you've been carrying around that have been hiding under a guise, under a pretense that you were afraid to tell anybody about because you knew that they might change their mind or they might deal differently with you. Tonight, we have made a covenant with each other in the presence of God. And because of that, God says those things that have been locked up inside of you are opening and He's sending them away. Your fears are going to start vanishing. The pain is going to be healed. All of your apprehension and worry and sleepless nights is about to go away. God is about to restore love into your relationships. God is about to bring healing into your home. God is going to put wisdom in your mouth. God is going to put anointing upon you and you are going to win this battle. I want you to get in groups of two or three right now again. And we're going to pray, and God's going to do a mass deliverance across this whole place. Groups of two or three, and I want you to get in circles, if you will. Groups of two or three. If you need to get out in the aisles, it's fine. Or if you just need to turn towards each other, that's fine. If you want to do more than three, that's fine. That's fine. And I want you to look at each other right now. And I want you to say this. I'm tired of being afraid. I'm tired of being worried about somebody judging me. And I'm just ready to be healed. I'm ready for it to go away. I'm tired of being bound. I'm tired of being frustrated. And I'm ready for you to pray for me so that I can get delivered. 
I want you to look at him and say, I believe that you've got anointing upon you right now that when you pray for me, something's going to happen. And whatever God shows you, however God leads you, I trust the Holy Ghost that God's going to do a work in Jesus' name. Now I want you to pray for each other right now in the Holy Ghost. Would you do that? If you want to take turns and pray for each other, I want you to do it. That feels a little different now, doesn't it? Does it feel a little better? Are you thankful you prayed with one another tonight? Did you feel safe when you prayed with each other? That it was going to be okay? See, in order for us to be changed, we have to be exposed to truth. But truth is so powerful, it can, it can wipe you out. I remember when the Lord came to me one day in prayer and He said, I'm going to show you your heart today. And I remember the scripture, you know, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The only one that knows it is God. I want to show you your heart. And it was like God pulled me away from myself and let me look back. And then he just uncovered it and said, there it is. And I couldn't believe everything that I saw in there. I, I was ashamed. I was appalled. I was embarrassed. I was convicted. And I said, God, how long has all that been in there? All your life. So you mean when I prayed for that person and they were healed, it was, it was still it was in there. I mean, this time when I preached and I was anointed, it was in there. Well, God, why are you just now telling me? He said, because you are not mature in love. And you would have interpreted it as me rejecting you. So I've had to teach you about my love so that you could get mature in love. So that you knew the way that I loved you. So that I could tell you the truth. So now we can get healed. And you can work on this. And together we can get through it. Okay. I understand. And I realized if it had come at an earlier time in my life, I'd have been so devastated. I probably would have walked away and said, well, what's the use living for God? I mean, I can't, I can't deal with that. And the same thing happens with us. God wants to bring us out and God wants to help us in our relationships. Truth is what sets us free. But love is the means by which we receive that truth. And that's what marks a disciple. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. And that you have love one to each other. Can you say it? Can you say it to your neighbor right now? And can you mean it? You say, I, I, I really do love you. If you're guys, you may just want to slap them on the back and say, love you, man. 
Amen. I love you. Bald head and all, man. I love you. There are, there, are, there are things that are happening tonight, folks. This is the making of health in a church, a healthy environment where we don't allow, we don't allow that toxic, that those toxic emotions, those giant emotions of hatred and offense and strife, we don't let them live. We get rid of them. Because we're going to have an atmosphere of truth, which is boundaries and honesty and openness and love. Because I'm here to help you and to heal you. And in that, folks, there is nothing that can hinder the work of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing that can stop it. And I see a whole other dimension of people coming in and being delivered and being healed because of what we started here tonight. Would you lift your hands one more time to the Lord? And would you thank him for what he's done in our hearts? Celereando en Cristo sabalacaro no shilgalamalia salapatrata. El virdo dom celeraca mandroto silkialanda. En condolo romón y tasi balote. In Jesus' name. I want you to make this commitment to yourself now. You made commitments to God. We've made commitments to each other. And I want you to make this one to yourself, okay? Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I'm a human. Your words can't hurt me. I can't get hurt. If someone chooses to hurt me, that's their choice. But you know what? You can't offend me. That's my choice. I'm making a commitment that I'm not allowing myself to be offended. I refuse. There are things that do happen. Occasionally, people do hurt us. And sometimes well-meaning people can still hurt us. Even people not trying to hurt us can still hurt us. But we make up our minds. I am not going to harbor that in my heart and allow myself to be offended. I love you. And you mean a lot, but you're not worth my salvation. You're not worth going to hell over. You're not worth backsliding over. You're not wor worth me missing the rapture and missing heaven. No, no, no. No, no. Jesus is way too important in my life. The future is too big. His love for us is too strong. We'll get through this. I love you. Say it. I need you.
If you want to come and pray, please feel free to come and pray. If there's things you need to get rid of, if there's more healing that you need to have, come on. If you want to pray together as families, if you want to pray just by yourself, I want to give you that opportunity. There's still a great anointing in this house. There's still a great touch of the Spirit doing a work of healing. If you just want to sit in your seat and just experience the presence of God, you can do that too. But let's stay in this. Let's let it, let's let it just facilitate in our hearts. Amen.